0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. If you happen to find an injured or an orphaned bird, what's the best course of action to take? I'm Jim Metzner, and this is The Pulse of the Planet. And who is
0: this? This is an American Kestrel. It's a male. And he is probably four or five years old now. He hit a car uh, and damaged his wrist.
1: Annie Martinet is a wildlife rehabilitator based in Rosendale, New York. Every year she takes care of hundreds of
0: birds. When they're perched and they're settled and their wings are folded, it's the pointy part of the wing that's facing you. And he had broken a couple bones in that wrist. You see the left side there that that wing is a little off, like it's you see how it's a bit of a strange angle. Mm. So he can he can fly just enough to get across this porch get away from me when I go into his mew, but he has, there's no way he can fly in enough to hunt. They, they have to be pre- precision hunters, there's, there's no messing around when you're hunting for live mice or dragonflies or smaller birds. I mean, starvation is right there on the edge if I let this guy go. I, there's no way this guy could be let go. So this is a species in steep decline in population across North America. This is a species of real concern to birders and biologists. Um, The main problem, there's a lot of problems, but the main one is loss of habitat and habitat fragmentation. So they like open meadows. Uh, Natural meadows are the best that have a huge diversity of insects, bugs, plants, snakes, frogs, all of that sort of thing. And also, since they eat a lot of insects... They can be poisoned by any sort of insecticide. They're also small, so even though they're raptors, they can be taken out by any other raptor that's bigger and badder and happens to see them, and that happens too. I've always been fascinated with wild birds. Just part of my life, even from childhood on, I think when my parents would take all, all of us, which I have seven brothers and sisters, would, when they would take us to a park, open the doors. My brothers and sisters would run to the playground or someplace. I would run under the pine trees and try to find owl pellets. So I was that kind of kid. And as the years went on, I took up birding. It was one of the ways that I liked being out in nature. I just, I loved hiking. I loved listening to birds. I eventually figured out that birding was actually fun too, and uh, binoculars helped, and good cameras helped. I keep a life list when I was a kid, I kept a life list too, but it was notes on the side of a a birding book when I was like seven years old on. And for me, it's just a, it's not competitive. It's just a fascination with wild birds. Now I have 10 different outbuildings, total of about 12 flight buildings of different sizes. And oh, I took over the garage and the porch as my triage areas. So for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the birds I get, maybe 60% of the birds I get, uh, come in injured. But there are a few that meet the conditions for a good education bird. I do education programs anywhere within driving distance because I think it's incredibly vital that people see these birds as close as possible, take as many photos as they want, take a selfie if you want, ask me questions and and just learn to appreciate the wildlife around us especially the wild birds i i really believe i know this for a fact that if if people have never been exposed to a milk snake or a baby squirrel or a you know an injured hawk why would they care you know most people don't automatically care about wildlife just because they're out there they have to have some kind of a personal close up interaction through binoculars or at a zoo or something. It's just so important because otherwise you're not going to stop to call me and tell me about the hawk on the side of the road. You're not going to think about taking a bird's nest and putting it out of the way because it's in an inconvenient location. I would rather people call me and ask questions before they take any kind of action with wild birds because they care and You know, in the future, I want to live in a world where there's a huge diversity of wild birds and other things, but mainly birds. I don't want to live in a world where there's just starlings and house sparrows and pigeons. I just don't.
1: If anybody finds an injured bird or an injured animal, what is the course of action that they should take?
0: (sighs) Well, it helps to have a list or a screenshot on your cell phone of wildlife rehabbers in your region. So every state is different. If you call me from California about a condor, you're just wasting time. If you call me about baby skunks in your basement, you're, again, wasting time. It's good to know who the rehabbers are in your region and know what they take.
1: How would I find the, Where would I go?
0: Lots of veterinarians have those lists handy. You can always text someone like me, the nearest rehabber that you happen to know, and ask... Who does uh, skunks? Do you know anyone who handles deer? I think it's important to not ever put yourself in danger. And Now, baby animals—that's not really a big thing, with the exception of rabies vector species. I would, I would say, you know, do not handle baby skunks and raccoons just because they're cute and they're in the road. You don't want to go through that. But uh, like baby birds—you can certainly pick up and move them to the side of the road, or take a little video or photograph and text that to me or whoever your local rehabber is and ask what to do next we network we you know most of us know most of us so even though i don't do anything but birds i probably know who does possums that's closest to you these days it would help i think every rehabber to text a photo location and a couple sentences about your concern whatever it is nest on the ground a you know baby squirrel rather than leaving a five-minute voicemail. Most rehabbers don't answer the phone. Text a photo, a couple sentences, location. And then we'll either call you or we'll text you with what to do next. Ming, buddy. Where are you?
1: There he is. Ming is a peregrine falcon who'd been hit by a truck. Well, now he's one of Andy's education birds that she takes around to schools and other facilities.
0: So, Ming here is five years old. I ended up getting him about an hour after his accident. Internal bleeding, cluster seizures, um, had to be hand-fed, of course. Uh, and I really, he was just a mess. So I, I, I didn't expect him to actually survive. Every single morning I'd open up his crate and expect the worst. But after about six weeks, and lots of help from my vet, and some of the right medications, pain meds, fluids, great, yummy pieces of fresh quail, I thought he was ready for release. And I realized that I wasn't getting as much reaction when I was on this side of his face. With, and turns out his right eye is blind. A one-eyed fastest thing in the world can't be released. So he's my buddy now. Well, kind of my buddy. He's been such a great education bird. And he also has a really good percher, so I can perch him on a tabletop for hours. And he'll just be looking around at the crowd and talking away. And, and I'll bring out other birds while he's watching the crowd and talking. He's just a great bird. Amazing amazing
1: creatures. Wildlife rehabilitators get no funding from the state. Their services are performed free of charge, but they do accept donations. For more information about Annie Mardinay, look up Wild Mountain Birds on Facebook. To find a wildlife rehabilitator in your area, contact a veterinarian or the nearest office of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I'm Jim Metzner, and this
0: is the pulse of the planet.